spelling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in the universe, Woodstock, New York, we are in what we call the Shady Treehouse upstairs in Woodstock, New York. Dana and I are here. Hello, Dana. Hello, Neil. We are going to talk about a bunch of stuff today, but I want to talk about poison ivy. That's our big goal. We have to talk about it. I have lots of people coming in with rash. We need that to be taken care of in a natural way. But first... Want to talk about coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> you know I do. <laughs> so we have lots of stuff. You actually sent me something about the viral load of coronavirus coming down. And mm-hmm. does that mean that we're out of the woods and all this other stuff? So it's really funny because I'm seeing a lot of this too. I'm seeing unsubstantiated articles pre uh, review articles, small studies where they're reporting that the virus is changing, but I'm going to warn everybody that it seems fishy because a lot of people that are like on the front lines are saying that it's not changing at all. Um, So I would love it for the coronavirus to have like become less severe for some weird reason or some sort of mutation. I don't think that that's going to happen. And I just would take all of that with a grain of salt. I feel like it's propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just want to, I have to say this real quick, uh, with everything that's going on lately, if you're going to go protest, which I fully support, please, please wear a mask and keep it on your face completely. Oh yeah. We're going to touch on the protesting side of it too, but with the coronavirus, one of the things that I got shared with me, actually my wife shared it with me is more evidence that there's a potential genetic variation that links the severity of coronavirus and i know early early on in the conversation like early march people were talking about how healthy people are just getting crushed by it and then you know seemingly high-risk people are having no problem with it so um you know at the time it was like blood types you know i have a different blood type so it that might be what it is but it may be even a little bit deeper into the genetic side of things so it's kind of exciting how much we're learning about it and you know that's the point of what we did, the sacrifice we made, we put this on our backs, we stayed home, we took the financial hit, work went to nothing pretty much all across the country. And it helped us learn a lot. It helped us learn a lot about the virus and how to treat it and gave us some room. It bought us some time. Flattening the curve, the purpose was to make it so our healthcare system didn't get overwhelmed and and all of that. So we've done what we need to do. And it's really kind of cool how we have learned quite a bit in, in such a short amount of time. So um, that being said, yeah, uh, protesting, huh? I am emotionally exhausted. <laughs> but that is, that's no reason to let your resolve crumble. Yeah, I think it's awesome that people are like, you know what, this is really bad, so I'm going to fucking protest right now. You yeah. know? So, and, uh, and I think that's pretty brave because it is a scary, scary pandemic that even kills young people. So yeah. Um, yeah, so keep keep protesting, please. Uh, you know, uh, I'm kind of a little bit of an anarchist. Burn it down, uh, <laughs> metaphorically, uh, but not preferably not small businesses and communities that, especially the ones that are owned by people of color. So that I'm like, that is such 
crap, you know, like that they're burning down these, not the protesters, but these looters, rioters, though the, the criminal aspect to it, they're, they're burning down. That's kind of, you know, really taking away from the progress that we're trying to make and hurting people that are already hurting a lot. So just suck. Yeah. You're like, I'm emotionally exhausted. I think in my, uh, in my recent article, I just was like, I was swearing like the first three sentences and I'm just like, I'm sorry. Uh, but you know, this whole race war things got me, got me a little worked up. The other thing that I think is weird. You know, I think that, uh, there's a lot of, you know, posting black pictures, the the blackout, you know, and a lot of social media stuff. We want to make sure that it's not just, you know, the platitudes just, oh, you know, you know, we want to end racism. Like I would love us for end, to end ra- racism. I don't think we're going to do that. I would prefer it if people just treated each other with some respect. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are doing something to try to help change the game and uh, de- help develop a new generation of American leadership. So um, the artwork that's on actually right behind Dana in the window here is, says human race and it's got all the different uh, colors that depict the different skin types of uh, this country, which is really funny because it's literally all just one shade of brown. <laughs> I just don't understand why we have such a problem with the, 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 like the color swatch. <laughs> it's yeah. such a weird thing to be upset about. Um, but yeah, so it's that picture and it's on a, put on a t-shirt and I'm going to take pretty much 90% of the revenues. Uh, so literally you pay 25 bucks, $20 will go to my brother's keeper Alliance, a local chapter here, of course, but uh, we're going to donate that money and it's a great program. So you can go to woodstockvitamins.com slash human race and the t-shirt is there please grab one they're on pre-order right now i'll be shipping them out in about two weeks i actually just ordered mine this morning very good Mm -hmm. i can't wait to i'm gonna actually like make the staff wear them pretty much every day because again it's like we all see a lot of social media activism and then it'll kind of diminish over time i've been listening to uh run the jewels four so now killer Killer mike is in my head about like making it more than a (laughs) Uh, Twitter rant, of course. So, well, um, I think it, just to put a cap on that, you know, what happened with Me Too was huge, mm-hmm. and I feel like it did make a huge lasting impact. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is going to happen now with you know the race issue. Yeah, stuff I feels hope. different. It feels yeah. different. Like I feel like everybody's just like, all right, and because you know what it is, our will was exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the perfect time quote unquote to do this because everybody was just so fed up with everything that's going on. I think it just like finally broke a lot of people. And I don't think that there's going to be a reprieve from this. So there's people out protesting. And so this actually goes hand in hand with the two articles I wrote. So uh, two weeks ago, I wrote the first, how to get back to life because businesses are reopening. And then this week I wrote how to socialize, right? And they, the, Two parts, two sides of the same coin. The first article is saying you need to go buy stuff and stuff's going to open. You know, stay home. It's still a mess. Be careful. But if you need to go out, here's how you should approach it. Consider everybody high risk. Put your mask on. Wash your hands. Stay away from everybody. Don't be a jerk. If somebody's not wearing the mask, don't fight. It just doesn't make sense. Be nice. Try to smile. Try to say thank you. Everybody's a little stressed out as we can all tell. Um, so that's that side of it. And then this week was, okay, you want to socialize. So in this situation, we're trying to determine what real risk factors we have. So we don't want to, if I'm a high risk person, I really don't want to socialize with anybody uh, and be careless about it. But if I'm a low risk person and I know that somebody else is a low risk person of having the disease, then yeah, we can get together and we can hang out and that will be great. Um, we have to know how to do that. So I, I have a little formula on the, in the article, you can check it out. I'm not going to spoil it, read the article, but essentially 
I want people to be able to socialize again. I want you to build your judgment so you can manage your risks best. Um, we've been doing it in our household for a couple of weeks now because obviously like I'm uh, pretty anal about all of this stuff and, uh, <laughs> and understand how it all works. So, um, but even when you do it, you should be wearing a mask and you should be maintaining distance, especially um, with what's happening. We have a billion people now out protesting in the streets and we have the world opening up and in a lot of places without any masks or any like sort of precautions. So now everybody's COVID status, which we could pretty much assume was, I don't have it because I've been quarantining in my house for 45 days in a row is now, I don't know. I might have it because I might've gotten exposed to somebody. So um, again, follow the article that will hopefully help you out um, in, in like what you can do to get back out there and start socializing again. So uh, any thoughts on, on socializing? Uh, you know, well, you, you pretty much said it. I'm still very prickly about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine I'm rather upset with because the loneliness finally got to her and she's been hanging out with people every mm-hmm. single week and, um, she's rationalizing all of her actions saying that it, because she's having people in her house Got it. and she's got like really big picture windows, sliding glass doors and all that. And she's like, if you think that having people in my house with all the doors and window open is breaking quarantine, then we'll have to agree to disagree. And I was like, I'm really concerned about how badly you're lying to yourself right now, <laughs> but it's her life. I can't tell her how to live it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm upset because I care about her and it's hard to compartmentalize that. And so, you know, it just means I can't see her for a while. We'll just have to keep talking on the phone. Right. Well, here's some science to kind of go in her ear here. So if you want to have her listen to this part, you can. So the masks work because of the micro boogers, right? This is my analogy. Oh, yeah. No masks. That's a a key (laughs) Uh, factor. Yeah. Well, we have these larger droplets and almost all masks of all qualities really do a good job of getting rid of these these larger size micro boogers. The small ones, you really have to have a high grade mask and... um, Uh, you know, a tight seal and everything to stop those from moving around. And the thing that you should realize about those is that those really, really tiny ones don't just go out and fall like the bigger ones Mm -hmm. would. They go out and they just float because that's how small they are. And so when you're in a house, um, you have those things kind of hanging around quite a bit. So if you're in the house and you're wearing a mask, that's one story. But if you're in a house, you're not wearing a mask. And yeah, you can open up the windows and everything like that. But unless you have like positive air pressure that's being monitored to like USB standards, it doesn't make any sense to do that. So yeah, outside, it's a great time to do that. And that's part of the reason why I wrote that um, article. There's no practical guides out there for how, like, how do I do this? So, right. um, so you know, Please socialize with people if you're low risk or, or you know, you're confident in, in your abilities and you're hanging out with other people that are lower risk and you do the right thing, you can get back to some sort of a normal. So, all right. So we talked about allergies, right? Before? We, yeah, we must have. Yeah, I think <laughs> that, we did. I think we did, yeah. Yeah, because that was a phone. Uh, oh, yeah. It's yeah. COVID, not allergies. That was the That's name. Right. Oh, no, wait. I mean, it's allergies, not COVID. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you guys know. You, you listened. <laughs> so, um, my guide to spraying is available with stockvitamins.com slash guide to spraying. It is an ebook that we wrote that takes a lot of the stuff that we deal with during the springtime and kind of breaks it all down. So, I figured we can cover a couple of those uh, things. For this week, in an audio version, because I'm getting a billion questions about them. So first and foremost, poison ivy. Oh my God. The bane of my existence. Why is that? I am not kidding. Because I was so susceptible to it when I was growing up, 
I live right. Okay. So for locals, I live in the playhouse neighborhood. Mm -hmm. That's where I grew up. And, um, there's, well, now there's a, um, a community, a housing community back there. But when I was growing up, it was all woods and there were trails and we would all ride our bikes through the trails. And every summer I would get poison Ivy for the entire summer. Mm. And I've missed many weeks of school from having it because I, 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 maybe it's like my skin type or whatever. I I don't know what it is, but I would get it in one spot. And the next thing I know I would be covered head to toe Mm. and my heart goes out to people who actually experienced anaphylaxis and would end up in the hospital. But I would argue that my cases are, you know, a lateral move from that because I would just, I would just be covered. And back then all we had was calamine lotion and it Mm -hmm. was a nightmare. I remember one summer, Mm -hmm. (laughs) this might've been the worst uh, summer that I ever got it. It was actually poison oak and poison oak just goes right in between your fingers. Mm. It's a nightmare, but it was bubbled up all over my skin. And I had it for so long that by the time it went away, I had very dark tan lines around it. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's so bad. And it's to the point where, and actually for those who don't know, there is now a vaccine for poison ivy. Really? Which was, yes, it was developed in like 92 it or it was made available like around 92 i know because i was like 12 or 13 when i got it so that would have been early 90s and so now i still get it kind of badly but it just doesn't spread nearly as badly so ask your doctor about that if you i didn't know that there was such a thing yeah dude Mm. it's it's three shots um you you get one a week and they do it in your arm and they do opposite arms Um, and it really, really, really helped. But I'm so scarred by how, like emotionally scarred from how badly I used to get it as a kid. All of my friends can tell you, as soon as I go to their, like every summer, I'm like, what's the poison ivy situation? I stop touching all animals and I love my friends' dogs so much. Yeah. And I just can't touch them from like April to October because I'm just, that. like that's how afraid I am from getting poison ivy so badly as a kid. I, I, it's all about you, obviously. Yours is worse than everybody else's, whatever. That's fine. Clearly. I, I get it. <laughs> no, I think that uh, poison ivy does stink. And it's funny because you actually brought up a lot of different talking points. So I think it's a good segue to all of the information about poison ivy. So I'll start with, um, first and foremost, the idea of it spreading. Yeah. Does poison ivy spread? It's, yeah, because, well, it. tell me if I'm wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's what... What causes poison ivy is the oil from yes, the leaves. Yes, oil. And your skin is mm-hmm. topped with oil. So mm-hmm. if you scratch it, it's getting under your fingernails mm-hmm. and it's slowly like moving down all of the oil and, you know, you scratch the poison ivy because you don't know you have it yet and then maybe you scratch a bug bite on your ankle and now not only do you have the first spot of poison ivy, but now you have the poison ivy where that bug bite was. Right. And, you know, you, you wipe your eye. Uh, I'm literally relaying all my best experiences maybe you scratch your eye and now you've got it on your face you went to the bathroom without wiping well thankfully that was never so yeah you're right so the oil persists for years years outside of the plant so even if you have no live stuff if it was there and it was like cut and cleaned the oil could have been flicked everywhere so poison ivy doesn't spread 
in and of itself. A lot of people are like, I've got poison ivy and now it's spreading and it hasn't spread. You may be exposing other parts of your body to oil that you may have on your doorknob and then you touched because it persists for years. Or you, again, you have it under your fingernails because you didn't clean under there. Good. But once you have a poison ivy rash, it doesn't spread itself. It, it's it's just reacting locally. Right. So that's an important distinction because a lot of people think, oh my God, it's weeping and now it's going to spread. And that doesn't happen. There's like a few different phases here when we're talking about poison ivy. You walk outside and you brush into a poison ivy plant. Well, there's two things that happen. One, you know that you've done it because you know how, how to identify it. And two, you don't know. Mm. So you don't know how to identify it um, or you, you've seen you've gotten it. Well, if you know you've touched poison ivy or something that could have potentially poison ivy oil on it, you have to act almost instantly. You have to get rubbing alcohol. Mm. Rubbing alcohol will break the oil up. And you slather it on your skin, really rinse that area off really good, uh, back and forth massage, get, get rid of it. And then almost within minutes, soap and water that same exact area. You're going to break up that oil as fast as humanly possible. But the reality is, is most of us don't even realize that we bumped into it. We don't even realize that we have it on us. And then a few days later, we get a rash, mm. right? So, um, you know, it's really, I, I see it as two separate occurrences of poison ivy. I know I got it. And in that situation, rubbing alcohol, soap and water, and then even a shower a couple hours later, if you can. Your clothes, you should launder them you know, uh, by yourself wearing gloves because they potentially have the oil all over them. They should be cleaned as soon as possible. right? And then you should go back through your house and every surface that you've potentially touched, uh, you're going to want to make sure that you are uh, using rubbing alcohol to clean all those surfaces off to make sure that you don't have any of the oil. Oh, luckily we're doing that already right now. Right, exactly. So you're, you're not going to get COVID uh, and your poison ivy is going to be managed pretty appropriately too. So the, um, so the next set is that, okay, I've it's been a few days or it's been a day and I've showered already essentially is kind of my line in the sand. Somebody calls and says, I have poison ivy. I say, have you showered since you got exposed? Yes, I've showered. Okay. So then this game over it's, it's over. <laughs> You've got it on you. Whatever you have is what you have. And this is another uh, place where the idea of poison ivy spreading comes from. If you think about poison ivy, we think it's like you touch a plant and like that area will have kind of like a mark against it. But the analogy I use in my article and in, in um, the ebook is like paint on a paintbrush. You take that painting, you flick it against the wall, you're going to have those big droplets and then you're going to have those like little, little tiny ones mm -hmm. all on the bottom. So the big droplets are what's going to cause a rash almost instantly within a day. And then the tiny droplets are going to take some time to like penetrate the skin and cause a reaction. It's going to take some time. And that's another reason people think that it spreads it's like oh well it was here first and now it's all down here and that's because it just took longer for those smaller droplets to actually create a rash um so if you've already showered though you've already broken up whatever's on the skin whatever is going to happen is going to happen because it's already into the skin so that's uh, kind of tough nuggies there so the and that's i will say that's a that's like the extreme worst case scenario. Taking a shower doesn't just automatically spread it everywhere. It mm -hmm. certainly doesn't help though. Like when you, when you already have a rash, just be careful mm -hmm. to try to keep that area dry while you're in the shower mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe just give yourself a sponge bath or something. Mm -hmm. Wash it up. Good. Yeah, exactly. So the, so a lot of people come in and they are in that phase two, they've already showered and they want to use one of the over the counter 
poison ivy things and they go for like tech new or something like that and tech new and those products are typically there as washes for when you do get exposed so they're just kind of fancy rubbing alcohols of sort that help break up the oil um, but if you've already again if you've already done everything you're supposed to do or you didn't know and you have a rash now's not the time for tech new so that can kind of go out so now we have a rash and what do we do about the rash well there's a couple things the more traditional route of uh treating any sort of skin irritation is antihistamines like Benadryl and topical preparations like hydrocortisone. Both of those will reduce the the symptoms and the signs, the redness, the irritation, the itch, and they're pretty strong. Over-the-counter, the most you can get is about 1% hydrocortisone. The Benadryl dose, you can get pretty high, though. You can get 50 milligrams if you wanted to, and uh, you know it makes you drowsy. Actually, I took a Benadryl uh, two weeks ago, and I just woke up this morning so yeah that's you've uh, missed some stuff <laughs> yeah i heard i just checked the news the, can you believe that the joint chiefs of staff actually wrote a letter like hey we're not going to shoot citizens like they had to write that officially and and it was like they they're like tell all the troops like don't fire on innocent americans kind was of that today yeah just came out today oh so, thank god yeah I've been, my brother lives in Israel and I've been mm-hmm. keeping him updated right. and I've been trying not to be too dramatic about it, but there's just been no way, no other way to phrase what's going on because mm-hmm. it's, it's, I can't, dramatic. I want to talk about freaking supplements. I'm so sick of uh, I'm all so this sorry. crazy <laughs> world. Not you, but it's just like, I, I'm what, like, I've got all this great stuff about turmeric. I've got, I want to talk about, but everyone's like, I don't want to talk about turmeric. I got to teach people about anemia. I'm mean, like, I don't care about folic acid. It was stupid. There's, there's a race war going on. Yeah. Um, and uh, one more, just kind of like ranty thought that I had it. It's just weird that like anti-racist sentiment, it's like you're a liberal. It's like no, I just I guess like you could be any political affiliation yeah, and be not not like decent to other human beings. Like it's really weird. And I'm just kind of because I you know, I'm I'm doing like a lot of people that have an audience are doing and I'm saying this is messed up and yeah. like we we're better than this. And so then I'm getting people like I'm not going to follow you anymore. And I'm like it's really weird to me that you know, like just talk about vitamins Well, I'm trying to, but nobody wants to, right. everybody's distracted. Um, but yeah, it's just weird how there's like this, this weird reaction to the idea of us not, you know, obviously it's a nuanced conversation, uh, with, you know, how do we solve the problem? Uh, right. you know, but the idea that there is a problem that, that becomes like this, uh, it's just weird anyway. Yes. Um, so the poison Ivy thing. So, uh, you know, Benadryl, hydrocortisone, those are great options. It should be noted uh, that if this rash is by your eyes, by your mouth, and on any mucous membranes, or just serious in general, like really bad, go to the doctor, go to urgent care, get steroids, oral steroids. Oral steroids will reduce this reaction right away, and it will uh, be much more powerful than you, anything you can get over the counter, because you should take it seriously. If you breathe in the oil, that's a real bit big problem. So make sure that, you know, so like if you're burning poison ivy, like for some silly reason, don't do that. Where um, were you when I was eight and I had a, <laughs> I had poison ivy on my face that was basically in the pattern of the man in the moon and my left eye had swollen shut. <laughs> I know where you are. You were seven over yeah, in Saugerties. Exactly. I was, I was playing Mario Brothers 2. Leave me alone. Um, Again, we all, back then all we had was calamine and chlorinated pools, which by the way works really well. Yeah. The, the calamine thing is another interesting piece because the rash then has a couple different ways that it can manifest itself so a normal rash redness and itchiness and you're scratching but sometimes it can weep and it like 
non-broken skin and it's just kind of leaching out the in, it, immune boogers. Your immune system is just kind of squeezing everything out. Uh, that's part of the immune reaction. That's part of the rash. So um, that's when calamine shines. And that's probably the only time that calamine should be used. I know a lot of people will get a poison ivy rash and it'll be dry as all get up and they'll just start slathering calamine on it. And it doesn't really help for that. Um, witch hazel is another astringent that can help out. Dome burrow is often used too if you have a weeping poison ivy rash. If the rash skin breaks because you've been itching it with Brillo pads, then you'd have to treat it like a wound then. You have to put Neosporin on it. You have to cover it so that way it heals. So then you have like a broken and potentially infection site, and then you're itchy too. So that's another situation. If the broken skin is big enough, you might want to go see a doctor. Um, So there are, you know, other treatment modalities that can be used that are considered more natural. And I think... You know, my goal is to make sure that people only use natural treatments that are justified. And I think that um, we would we would say that the number one treatment that's justified for poison ivy is jewelweed. Jewelweed actually grows close to or near poison ivy bushes. And if you get good at identifying what jewelweed is, you can be brave and pick it. And you can make lots of really cool anti-poison ivy preparations. So you can take the jewelweed and you put it in a food processor. And you can then um, make a compress out of it. So like a, a, like a cool compress. You can make ice cubes with jewelweed in them. And then you can just kind of rub them on the skin because of the, the hotness of the burning. You can just make a paste out of it. So jewelweed works really well. We uh, we have that in a product we call Oak and Ivy Spray, and it's a jewelweed concentration in a nice little base, and you can spray it on, and it works really well. Another natural option is colloidal oatmeal. This is different than your Quaker oats that you eat in the morning. This is a fine powder of oatmeal, and it is uh, very soothing. You use these in a bath. And basically, you just take a packet worth because that's how they normally come or, or whatever scoop size that they say. And you put the into a bathtub as it's being drawn up and mix it up really good and sit in it and throw some carrots and some onions in there. And then the cannibals can eat you and it tastes really good. Um, <laughs> Butt soup. <laughs> uh, colloidal oatmeal is slippery it, it, because it's such a fine powder. The stuff sits at the bottom of your tub and you could slip and fall and hurt yourself. So please be careful dismounting from your tub. If you decide to use oatmeal, a lot of people look for essential oils for natural options. And we had Sybil on, we were talking about um, the risks of essential oils used incorrectly, but I do have a poison Ivy essential oil spray that I will give you the formula for right now. We use four ounces of a lavender chamomile witch hazel as the base. And then we're doing 15 drops of lavender oil, peppermint oil, and eucalyptus oil each. And we mix that up into a four ounce spray bottle, shake it up really good. And lavender has been purported to help out with itchy symptoms, peppermint oil is cooling for the skin, and then eucalyptus has some antiseptic properties. So when people ask me for, you know, do we have an essential oil spray? Yeah, we can, we can do that. Um, Of course, when you're buying essential oils, you have to be very careful because there's a lot of highly overpriced stuff. Don't buy anything from a pyramid company, even a toaster. We want to make sure that you, you're not, you're spending your money on a good product, not an overpriced overmarketed thing. So be careful with that. So um, the, 
So that's, I think that's a, enough of a coverage on uh, poison ivy. Obviously, know how to identify it. Leaves of three, let them be. There's a lot of plants that are around that will have three leaves at the end, sort of like a poison ivy, but then they'll have a couple leaves really close to them, and that's kind of a good sign that it's not poison ivy. So you have to be really good at um, identifying it. The, <laughs> the one picture that I use is it kind of looks like Colonel Sanders' mustache and beard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Turned sideways. I even put that on the article. That's <laughs> Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah, and watch out for Poison Ivy by Uma Thurman because she will just kick Batman's butt. You remember that? She was in that? I, yeah, totally. Yeah, so. She was just in my store before we locked down. Oh, she's a Woodstocker. Yeah, she is. She is a Woodstocker. So anyway, the, uh, but she will not give you Poison Ivy. You don't have to worry about that. Um, So that's that. So then we can also talk about pests. Do you want to talk about pests? Okay, can I sure, suggest something that you don't have to sign off on at all, but it did work for me? <laughs> sure. Okay. okay. All That's, right. So this is uh, homeopathic, and I know that yeah. that is way up in the air. Just hear me out. Rustox. R-H-U-S-T-O-X. Nope. Don't listen to anything she's saying here. This is all not. Three days. Mm-hmm. It'll be gone in three days. It will not. There's nothing physically possible that can happen there. It is a placebo effect. You lucked out. Homeopathy. We can't get behind for a couple of reasons. One, it's not scientifically valid. Two, uh, if we just talk about the quality, because of the way that they quote unquote manufacture it, there's no way for us to verify or validate what's actually in there. And uh, a number of the companies that have been sued over the years for their false claims have testified that, yes, we have no ability to tell one product from another. So how do we verify or validate that it is what it is? So... I that, stand behind that. the placebo effect <laughs> because it's worked many yeah, times. Yeah, I mean, right? if you want the placebo effect, go for the placebo effect. But I can take $8 from you and hit you in the gut and it would have the same feeling. So, so <laughs> negative. if you want to <laughs> just send me 8 bucks, we can do that too. So um, bug spray, let's do that. Yes. All right. So what do you do for bug spray? Uh, I, I just go straight off. Yeah. You go deed all the way? Yeah. 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 Um, I really want like mm-hmm. um uh citronella and lavender sprays to work on me and mm-hmm. i know that um a lot of my friends have used pretty strong lavender oils i don't know if it's straight essential oil if they're diluting it all whatever mm-hmm. and they say that it works these are like um, friends who are landscapers but for me personally mm-hmm. those natural sprays have never worked and mm-hmm. you know the chemicals are where it's at for me mm-hmm. yeah and that and what i always say with that is that it's fine you know the thing about deet is that it's concentration dependent. The lower the concentration, the more frequently you have to apply it, but the higher concentrations can be very damaging and deadly and stuff. So if you choose to use those, don't nowhere near your face, nowhere near any mucous membranes. And, um, Oh yeah. You know know what, actually I, that's, that's something I will specify is Mm -hmm. that I pretty much only do it. Like if, if I spray it, directly it's from like the waist down so yeah. you know to avoid ticks on my ankles and stuff like that i will spray some in my hands and put it on like my arms and my hair and stuff for mosquitoes right and we're i guess what we're doing when we're talking about this is the very casual the bugs are bothering me when i'm outside trying to uh, socially distant and uh, socially distantly socialize right. <laughs> socialize distantly i don't know but uh <laughs> we're not talking about malaria <laughs> if you're if you're dealing with malaria you're going to a place that's dangerous you a zika virus is another one you should be using chemical stuff unfortunately and um but you know the cdc will even say that the natural stuff is pretty effective for getting rid of 
bug. So that's helpful. The, you know, the idea of you covering up is very important. And then you want to just spray enough. If you choose to use an essential oil based one, there's a few things that a lot of people don't do correctly. So they don't shake it. So most essential oil sprays are going to be oils in some sort of other base, typically a witch hazel or something like that. They normally don't do oil and oil. So you have to shake them really, really, really well, like uh, like your life depends on it. So you have to shake it well for like a good 10 seconds, and then you could spray it almost immediately because within moments it's going to start to kind of separate out again. First thing. I missed my opportunity to sing some outcast. No, please don't. I appreciate <laughs> Andre 3000. Only RTJ today. The... Um, so shake it up, and then when you spray it, you spray it on, obviously, safely. You don't put it into mucous membranes. Um, the The big thing, though, is we're not using it frequently enough. Just like I just said with DEET, if you have a small concentration of DEET, you just have to apply it more frequently. The coverage isn't going to last very long. And the same thing goes with the essential oils. The, all essential oils are considered pretty dilute, uh, even the more concentrated essential oils. So you still have to apply them pretty frequently. And I'm talking about like every 45 minutes to every hour and a half. Oh my God. Yeah. So they have to kind of go frequently. So a lot of people won't do that correctly and that becomes a problem. So the essential oils that are going to be the most beneficial for the common bugs that you have to deal with are geranium, cedarwood, peppermint, citronella, eucalyptus, and lavender. There are some other ones that people will use like basil and thyme and stuff like that, but they don't really matter. Geranium is the workhorse. Geranium is the one that's going to help out with ticks and mosquitoes. The citronella is a big mosquito repellent. So you'll see a lot of these things in combinations and you can buy lots of essential oil blends that will be like anti-bug and most of the sprays will be some sort of proprietary formula with these different combinations in there. Nothing really fancy or schmancy with this whole piece, but we do have, um, uh, again, a recipe in our, uh, guide to spring the idea though of removing pests is uh something that we have to talk about um but i should kind of like segue to ticks i guess mm -hmm. a little bit because a lot of people are concerned about ticks no spray is going to help you with ticks there's a ticks oh, for real? yeah ticks well i mean they're not going to be happy with you if you have that on but we get ticks because we go in their house uh, we, we rub up against them. They're hanging out on a plant or a bush or wherever. And then we go and then they're like, Hey, like I'm going to hitch a ride here. Um, so you, you can't do only spray. You have to always, always, always assume you have a nest of ticks on you after you leave high grass or even just sit, sitting out on your porch some days because the stuff's falling off trees. Or if you're in the woods, you have to do a thorough, thorough tick check. There's lots of really great videos online of how to do a thorough tick check but make sure you're always doing that um the pest control is really interesting because essential oils can help out a lot with this and so ants and spiders you'll use peppermint uh, and typically with this you're just kind of spraying them across the window in a line or across the door seals sort of like you're a wiccan and you're doing some sort of ritual to keep out the spirits uh, but you can do that with ants and spiders and uh, mice is cool because you can throw it on a cotton ball and then you're just kind of throwing the cotton balls around it didn't work for you it worked for three weeks and I have an interesting observation about that. Well, did you keep refreshing them or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So mm -hmm. what I, cause we had a really bad mouse issue at my house and now we have those ultrasonic pest repellents and it's working really well. Uh, I do recommend them. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how they affect other pets. Like, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so hopefully it doesn't, but at any rate, what happened when we used the peppermint oil is that, um, the, they were gone. It, it was working, but I found that as 
I was like coming in and out of sleep, I was just overwhelmed by the smell of peppermint, whereas mm. while I was awake, it was very mild. Um, the second week that we used it, it actually got me out of bed and made me nauseous. Oh. Yeah, that was at like five in the morning. It was unpleasant. Uh, third week, I didn't vomit again, but I still, you know, falling asleep and waking up, it just all I could smell was peppermint. And then the fourth week, it stopped bothering me, and I noticed that the mice had come back and it was, I think it was just the same effect. Like once our systems got used to it, it stopped bothering everyone. It stopped bothering me. It stopped bothering the mice and they were back and we were setting nice. traps again. So I hate to break it to you guys, but mm -hmm. peppermint oil is probably not going to do the trick. What about peanut butter oil on a trap that you can then move them outside and make them not come back? That works pretty good, right? That we, I haven't tried. I've we've just, had to do that. Uh, I've used a lot of snap traps in my life. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Boo. It's, well, listen, uh, they're not paying rent, but they're pooping <laughs> all over the place. So something had to give. <laughs> so I think that's it. From my guide to spring, really what we're, we're concerned about is four four things. We have our allergies, which is something that we've covered. I can just kind of review it. There's natural antihistamines like nettles and quercetin. Those are like the basis of our allergy support product. You have to use those every single day. And even then that's not going to be enough because if you look outside, your car is now coated, especially here oh, yeah. with like a thick yellow film, if just from sitting there because the pollen's so high. So no, no matter what you do, it's only going to do so much. So you can use natural or traditional antihistamines to help out with that. And then you can also use topical preparations. And now we have lots of prescription strength stuff that's over the counter, like Zatator or Pataday for your eyes. And then um, nasal sprays. There's lots of like saline sprays. And you can do that crazy neti pot thing with a creepy lady doing the, the nasal <laughs> douching. You ever seen that GIF? That's really weird. And uh, <laughs> it's and you can even put like xylitol in it and it helps the boogers stop from sticking. Um, I recommend people that have severe allergies to look at, uh, up their doctor and ask for a Zelestine, which is now a generic nasal spray. And it's like a, a really nice antihistamine that's applied topically. And that seems to work profoundly well. All of our patients, we've almost switched almost all of them uh, that listen to me. They, uh, <laughs> they go from Flonase, which is a steroid, and you have to take it over a long period of time. They've switched from that to a Zelestine that they can just use occasionally. And so I like that a lot. Um, to help treat the allergies. So, uh, you know, of course, in your house, having good filtration systems and stuff helps out too. So allergies, second is poison ivy, big pain in the tush. The third is pests. So we have the bug repellent side of things for like mosquitoes and ticks. And then we have the stuff that's trying to get into our house because it's nice and comfy inside. Uh, we have the AC on. So um, all of those things can be treated with lots of great natural options. And I think that if you want the, the full scoop, go to woodstockvitamins.com slash guide to spring and you can download the ebook. And it links back to all the different individual articles that we have on the subject. Um, do you have anything else that you want to talk about or questions that you want to ask? Because, you know, we got some time. Yeah, well, actually, I, I did just think of something that I think we forgot with the poison ivy. Pets. Don't have a pet. I think they're horrible things. They poop all over the place. No, no, no. they're so oh, fluffy okay. and sweet and they love you unconditionally. Um, yeah, uh, poison ivy oils poison ivy and pets is tough because if you have somebody that's uh, a dog or a cat that's going outside they're going to get exposed to ticks and poison ivy oils constantly yes and they're going to be carrying them and as we said the poison ivy oil lasts for years on surfaces 
So yeah, I mean it overcomplicates things, uh, but yeah, people love these. They love them. They're right? so cute. Yeah. Um, again, that that one summer that I got the uh, tan lines around the poison ivy. Yeah. Um, as they started to heal, it became apparent. Like we we had gotten two puppies that summer, and we figured that it was from you know letting them run around in the backyard and then wrestling with them is how I got it. Yeah. But as it started to heal, the like the epicenter lines we'll call them yeah. became apparent and. Uh, what we're assuming happened is that in the wrestling, the poison ivy was on their nails and they were scratching me, not intentionally, but scratching me because yeah. they started to look like scratches from dog paws. So just be aware of that. Yeah, you have to be very aware of that. I mean, it just adds a whole nother dimension to the whole thing. We actually don't allow dogs in our house uh, for a lot of reasons. The tick and poison ivy thing is one. I just don't want to have to like clean up the poop. Um, because I feel like my family are very lazy and my wife would totally be the person that would open the door in the winter, be like, all right, go to the bathroom. And like, they would crap on the deck or something like that. So, um, we don't do pets, although I believe my son would benefit greatly from having a dog, but, um, it's just another, we have triplets and then another baby. We're out of the woods. Now our bathroom is clean. (laughs) <laughs> they wash their hands after they go. I just don't want that extra element of oh, God. Uh, f- filthiness. Uh, we'll around. relish this cleanness now because those girls are going to hit puberty eventually. Yeah. They're going to start wearing makeup and, and hair everywhere. Good luck keeping toilet paper in the house. Yeah. All of that stuff is fun. I just I just hope we get through this coronavirus nonsense. I guess we should also say that I, I feel really confident moving forward. I you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, we still have a long way to go. I see the light at the end of the tunnel, actually. You know, there are some big companies that are making some bold claims that they'll have a vaccine to us before the end of the year. That is awesome. Um, but, you know, the how long will the antibodies persist for and all of that stuff is still kind of a question. But I'm okay with getting a yearly or twice a yearly coronavirus vaccine if I had to. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get 10,000 doses. I will immunize 50 people an hour until I run out of 10,000 doses. There's also talk that the state will get an ample supply of it and then distribute it to like every healthcare practitioner mm-hmm. and we'd all be responsible for immunizing. So that's kind of the hubbub right now. I haven't gotten behind the testing stuff. I haven't, like, because we could test uh, as pharmacists, but, you know, the protocols are now released and we can buy tests but because of the question mark around the data does it actually give you valuable data um and you know quality of the tests right i i don't know and um so i would rather people just do what they're supposed to do wear those masks stay away from people wash your hands treat everybody like a zombie and uh that i think that is the better outcome than spending all the time and money and effort like yeah, swabbing your nose and stuff. This is this is a little late to the party as far mm-hmm. as testing goes, but just keep in mind that if you are symptomatic, then you have it. Mm-hmm. Um, the when everyone was all up in arms about not getting tested, they were saying that if you're showing symptoms, you should get tested, and it's the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I did already say this on the show. If I did, I apologize. But you know, um. between the tests being flawed and you knowing that you have it because you're symptomatic testing is not, I mean, what is testing going to do? You already have symptoms. Yeah. I mean, it was really used just as a way to get you admitted into the hospital and get you that extra level of care that you needed. Um, so yeah, I think again, if you, if you have any symptoms, go, go to your doctor, they'll tell you what to do. But for all of us that are like, Oh, should I go get tested? Well, if you've been exposed to somebody, yes. And you know, if you have the symptoms, then 
call your doctor, but you know, the, just the mass testing, I, I, I kind of feel like we're not going to be able to pull it off, you know, yeah. uh, New York might, but not everybody else. And then what does it matter if we're opening up and moving across the border and everything like that? So, Oh, I do. I do have a question. I was going to ask mm-hmm. you privately, but maybe, you know, if the answer is positive, then I would love for the <laughs> listeners to hear it. Um, uh, L-glutathione, mm-hmm. there is, um, uh, there's, I think I saw an NIH like test mm-hmm. on how on its positive effects on cytokine storms, which appears to be the reason that people are like gasping for air when they have it. Um, is that something yeah. that we should have on hand just as a no. cautionary? No, because yeah. no, no, I think that our best hope for dealing with a cytokine storm is this new drug that's been studied. There's a small prelim study that was in like 200, 400 patients or something like that that said that this biological drug actually does suppress the cytokine storm component of it. And if the by the end of beginning of summer, we should know if that's true. And if it is, then the doors open up because then it converts it from this horrible, weird, crazy thing to essentially the flu. Like I hate to use that analogy because it was used so inappropriately, Mm -hmm. but it gets rid of the more severe component to this. So if that drug does work then we'll be good there's no supplement that works and um and the glutathione thing i can talk for hours about glutathione how you know most of us so there are benefits of uh antioxidants in our body but it's a myopic view of everything it's us saying okay well i've got this huge huge horrible mess and i'm going to take this one type of antioxidant and actually have it be beneficial the only the only times that people really need glutathione is if they have tylenol overdose if they have like liver problems or cirrhosis Mm -hmm. Uh, those are the people that are deficient in glutathione otherwise we have ample glutathione we're making that constantly um so I don't think that taking a little bit extra glutathione will really help. Um, I did see more about the vitamin D. So there was a study that said vitamin D was like magnesium, vitamin D, and I think it was something else. And, um, and I, I commented on, on the study. I think it was like circulating Reddit. It was another preliminary study because everybody's sharing unvalidated science now. And I, I, you know, even with that, it, it, they're trying to say this specific regimen of magnesium and this other thing and vitamin D is what do- did it. But I, I said dollars to donuts when that study's published, it's probably magnesium oxide or magnesium citrate. Magnesium oxide and citrate have a 5% absorption rate, 5%. So how much are you actually getting? You're getting less than what you would find in like a handful of uh, like almonds or like pumpkin seeds you know you're getting the super small amount that's actually getting to your body so then the other again the other supplement that was there doesn't really get absorbed either so there's two things that aren't getting absorbed and then there's vitamin d so what that study showed me was that somebody that just starts out on vitamin d who potentially is low the vitamin d correction starts pretty quickly and we know that we know that if you take a, a single big dose of vitamin d within just a three three day window your numbers are going to bump up pretty high so when people are saying, well, what should I do for COVID? Well, I wouldn't do this for COVID. I would do this for your general health. Anyway, it's a vital five nutrient. It's take vitamin D. Start now. And the, it seems based on what this, the story that I think that that study is actually saying is that the benefit will come soon. It comes very, very quickly. So within just a few days, your numbers will start to uh, adjust to the more optimal range where you're less likely to have uh, severe respiratory problems, including COVID. So, and still we don't have that definitive picture of, of vitamin D and COVID, but it, it seems to fall in line with the other stuff we know about vitamin D and respiratory infections. Cool. 
So that's it, I think. I think that we've covered enough ground today. We've talked about so much different stuff. Uh, remember, woodstockvitamins.com slash human race for those t-shirts to support that really great cause. Plus, the t-shirt looks pretty awesome. And until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and be well. Be well.